one thing that I can do perfect for you this day is to read verses 12 through 19 and hope I don't stumble over it. For even as the body is one and yet many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not many, not, is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they are all one member, where would the body be? Father, help us to hear what you say. Father, help us to understand this. Father, help us to draw deeply upon this. (coughs) Father... We get so tangled up at times in how does it apply and how is it practical that we miss the theology. Father, let us understand that the theology is what will give us how it applies. And without it, it is just man trying to reach God. Help us, Father, to understand and behold the wonder of wonders, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. We began this last week... Um, dealing with the church based on unity and diversity. And I started out with verse 12, and, and we'll try to step into verse 13 today. But we, we looked at this and we said, there is unity in the body of Christ. In verse 12, Paul gives us the illustration. and He says, it's just like the human body. All right. Um, and, and, and the theology that we're looking at is way broader than I am going to be able to cover. How does it apply to me practically? How does, it, uh, how does it look when it's manifest? There's no way I shared with you that I could probably preach verse 12 until Christ comes back and finish it up after the millennial kingdom. That verse. Because I am convinced that what I see today, this is a non-realized truth. All right? It is that simple. Start out with verse 1. Why are we ignorant of spiritual gifts? Why? Because God hit him? I just haven't been able to figure it out. No. And, and when, we, when you look at this and you look at he's dealing with a church that's in turmoil. It is divided. It is disconnected. And yet he makes that statement at the end of verse 12. says, so also is Christ. The realization that the unity of the saints looks like a human body is the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is the church so disconnected. Listen, no, 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 no. I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to look at the other churches in Castle Rock. I want you to look at Castle Rock Baptist Church and ask yourself the simple question. Is this church connected or disconnected? What is it? You tell me. What do you see? Okay? And, and I, I believe that there's multiple reasons. One, and I talked about this in our Sunday school class, is the corruption of love. I love me and I really hope you can help me out. That ain't love. Love does not seek its own. You know where that's at? 
It's right after this text. It doesn't seek its own. All right? Um, He uses this, and I gave you some illustrations last week. One was brought to my attention. Do you understand that we are one in Christ? Some of you do, some of you don't. Okay? Do you understand that we are Christ? You know the name Christian? You know what that means, right? Little Christ. Okay? And yet, do you understand that the only Christ that the world will see is you and I? Uh, this illustration came, came to mind. The heart, everyone has one. Some of them are bigger than others. But we all have one. I, it's kind of important to the body, isn't it? I'm thinking... All right. All right. Well, just just curious. All right. The heart is a unique muscle, completely unique in anything else in the human body, because every cell. Now, there's other people with medical backgrounds that tell you what all this is. I just I'm keeping it simple. Every cell in the human heart has the ability to beat. Did you know that? That's amazing. But you will find that in the human heart, there are some cells that are the lead cells. And the rest of the cells follow that. Okay? But every cell in the human heart has the ability to be. And every once in a while, the heart gets this little annoying problem where cells quit following the leadership and they just start beating at any given rhythm. Okay, and the cells, the heart's fascinating. These lead cells says, you know what, the dude's walking upstairs. I probably ought to pick up some increased pressure here. Let's beat a little faster. And the whole little heart cells follow along, says, yeah, yep, yeah, we better pick it up. And then he gets up to the top of the stairs, it's time to calm down, time to calm down, time to calm down. And everybody calms down, and everybody calms down, everybody calms down. But do you know what? There is a, a, several things that can happen to the heart when those cells can start beating on their own. And they've got all kinds of really weird names. Okay? And here's what happens. When those cells stop following the leader cells, and they start beating on their own, it doesn't kill you. But it weakens you. And if left unattended for a while, you will die. That's a fascinating concept, isn't it? So how ridiculous is it in the body of Christ to exalt self? When the spiritual gift operates, when we minister as it is in the power of Christ, in the power of the Spirit, then we have Christ's ministry. He is manifest and the life that is manifest is Christ. That's the illustration the Apostle Paul is giving you in verse 12. Okay? They're individuals. You take the cells of the heart. They're all individuals. But you know what? There are some in the heart that says, we are going to set the pace and you are to fall in line. If you don't, You're going to wear us all out. And guess what happens at some point? We die. We die. And that's what he's saying here to the church in Corinth. 
He says, the body, for even as, verse 12, even as the body is one, yet there are many members, and all the members of the body, what's he talking about there? The body, the church. But look what he says. Though they are many, they are one body, so also is Christ. That's fascinating to me. Why does he say, so also is the church? Do you know that you and I possess a common life in Christ? Did you know that? I am crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ. Is that just Paul? Let me ask you a question. You live a crucified life? Better yet, do we know it? Or are you beating yourself? I am setting my own pace. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. How about you? How about you? See, that, that is the unity of the one body. It is already there. That's the illustration that he gave us. That's what we looked at last week. I want you to keep that phrase right there at the end of verse 12 in your mind because I am going to hammer this thing for the next several months. Because all this hangs right there on so also is Christ. If you are not reaching the lost, you're not manifesting Christ. Paul told Timothy, those who would walk in Christ's righteousness, what will happen? Will be persecuted, are you? Then whose righteousness are you walking in? Okay, are you following the leadership? There are leadership cells in the body of Christ that says, here's where we're going. These are the men that the church says, I want you to give yourself to prayer and to the word. Why? Because I want you to know what God is thinking with every moment. Why? So I can follow you. Follow you. That's funny in Sunday school. (laughs) Ryan, I love Ryan. His comment was, he says, well, what happens if they don't act like Christ and don't follow Christ? He said, we vote him out. (laughs) And that's true. That's what we do. Well, just vote him out. (laughs) Okay. We're going to get another heart cell somewhere. (laughs) Why? You're running too fast. You're running too slow. You're whatever. All right. But Paul gives us this illustration. It's the body. You and I got to get a hold of this. The body ain't you. The body is... Christ. Okay, but I want to now step into the identity. Okay, see, he gave the illustration, so now let's look at the reality of the illustration. All right? And I'm just going to deal with one point of what this this is, because there is major confusion on this. And once I expound this, you're going to see it, and you're going to see how practical this is for you and I. Okay, verse 13 says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And then he says, let me make it as plain as I can. Whether Jew, Greek, slave, free, we were made to drink one spirit. Right? All right. In that text, that verse right there, you see two things. One is the formation of the body. You were baptized to form the body. 
Okay, but you see the inner life of the body because you were made to drink. All right, I'm just going to deal with the first one this day. All right, you see that phrase right there, four by one spirit. One word in the Greek, it can be translated for by, it can be translated with, or it can be translated in. All right, the most consistent use, and I don't want to get into the syntax because it depends on how it's parsed out and what the, the uh, what the heck do they call that thing? Before the next word, uh, whether it's capitalized or it's definite article or kind of weird stuff like that. You don't want to hear that because I'm sitting there going, I don't remember. Um, uh, well, I don't. And, and it's breakdown. The best translation would be by or with. Okay, let me explain something to you now. And I want you to hear me really close. Never, never in 66 books of the Bible is of translated there. What's he so picky about? How many of you have heard this? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not in Scripture. No such thing. Okay? In fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the Spirit does any baptizing. Okay? Now then, we're going to do some running here. I want to show you something. If something is mentioned multiple times in the Bible, I, I'm, you guys may know this, but I'm a little slow at this. If it's mentioned multiple times... I'm thinking that they're trying to bring focus about it. What do you think? Maybe? All right. John the Baptist speaking in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, as for me, I baptize you. That's the same word right there. It can be with or by or in. I baptize you with water for repentance. All right. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not... I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with, by, or in what? The Holy Spirit and fire. Now listen, I have people try to tell me that what he's talking about is Pentecost. That ain't what he's talking about. Look what verse 12 says. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear the threshing threshing floor. He will gather his wheat to his barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That is not the Holy Spirit. Okay? You will either be baptized with the Holy Spirit or you will be baptized with eternal judgment. Period. Okay? This is prophecy. John the Baptist is saying he's coming duck. I mean, well, that's how I would say it. Guess what? You either get the Holy Spirit or wish you really had the Holy Spirit. Okay? So who is doing the baptizing? John the Baptist was doing it with what? Water. Who is doing the second baptism? Who is? Jesus is baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Okay? There is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, come on. What's the big deal? I'll show you. Go to Mark's Gospel. That'd be the other M book. Mark chapter 1. 
verses 7 and 8, says this. And he was preaching, John the Baptist, saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I. I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you by the Holy Spirit? No, with the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal? I keep going. Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. Okay, John answered to see him, as for me, this is John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming, who is mightier than I, I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandal, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know what's really interesting about that? John says it too in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 33. Okay, now you're sitting there going... What's the big deal? The end of verse 12 of Corinthians 12 says, So is Christ. Correct? And you were baptized by whom? Don't you dare say the Holy Spirit. You were baptized with Christ. With the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is a growing problem. I have heard this said in conservative evangelicals. We have been baptized of the Holy Spirit. That's like calling him an it. I hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and they refer to him as it. He ain't an it. He is a he. And he does no baptizing whatsoever. Okay? Wow, Terry, what is the big deal? Okay. Go to Acts. Chapter 2. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33. Alright, now this is Peter. He's out influencing people and winning friends. This Jesus God raised up, to which we are all witness. Therefore... Having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, who received the promise? Be real careful. Jesus received the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Who poured forth? What did he pour forth? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Well, what's the big deal? Who's doing the baptizing? Who is adding to the church? How does he do it? How does he do it? We're kind of friends. <laughs> church membership. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's scared to death. Oh my God, there's an half of and a with and a the and it could have been, might have been, should have been. You are added to the church by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
All right, now let me show you how important it is. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. This is the upper room discourse. It actually starts over in 14, ends with the high priestly prayer, chapter 17. This is when they're gathered together in their upper room. They're getting ready to the partaking of the, the, the Passover meal and what you and I know as communion. And Jesus is going through saying, you know what, guys? The fire is getting ready to crank it up, and you guys are going to be totally bummed out here in about 12 hours. Okay? That's basically what he's telling them. You know what? You guys are ready to make me king. We came into Jerusalem on the first of the week and everybody was Hosanna to David. And guess what? Tonight they're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. And tomorrow morning early they're going to crucify me. And you're going to throw my old butt in the grave. And you're going to say, uh-oh, we hooked our wagon to the wrong pony. And that's basically what he's trying to do. He says, let me explain something to you. It is about to get to a whole new color ugly. And I know you see me raise the dead. I know you see me overcome this. But remember, this is why I'm here. And of course, they're all sitting there going, what's the matter with him? I mean, it's the Son of God. I mean, let's be realistic about it. I want to show you something. Beginning chapter 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. Okay, what is I just spoke? That's what I just gave you. It's a little faster than 14 and 15, but all right. Oh, you don't believe me? Read it. Afterwards. This thing that's spoken to you so you may kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you. Wait a minute. I'm going to get kicked out of church and then they're going to what? Wait, but you're here and you raise the dead and everything. It's no big deal. You know, they kill me. You just raise me back up. They kills you. To think that they are offering a service to God. They actually believe that they kill Christians. They are helping God. Okay? These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. All right? Cool. Why? There's not that intimate relationship. Remember when Jesus stands in front of them? Many will say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And did wondrous signs in your name? And he will say, you away from me, I do not know you. Okay? I mean, it's great for you to know him, but if he don't know you, it's going to be a bummer. All right? Here's what he says. They have not known the Father or me. But these things I've spoken to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. <laughs> we won't even go with that implication. Okay, tell me that I'm going back to fishing. All right. In the beginning because I was with you. Do you understand what that means? Your strength came. He's talking to his disciple. From where? From his presence. And if you're really honest with yourself, take Peter. When, when Peter was standing next to Christ, he's whooping button taking names. When there's a separation between him, I don't know him. Anybody guilty of that? Why would you separate from the body of Christ? Why would you separate from the church? Why would you want to spend more time in the world than you would in the body of believers? Because it's easier to deny him. That's why. I don't have to look like him. I don't have to be about his business. Why? Because it takes time. 
I don't feel like taking the time. Really? What heart cell are you following? You ever thought about that? Let's move on with this. Look what he says. Look what he says next in verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Okay? Because, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Stop right there. He's told them it's just getting ready to get nasty beyond any degree you've ever understood. That's what he's telling them. All right? And he says, you have great sorrow. Why? Who are they focused on? You're going to leave us. How can you leave us? Dudes are getting ready to crucify him. And what is their concern? Themselves. You know what happens in the body of Christ? I start getting concerned about myself. How is Christ manifesting that? He's not. You know why people aren't getting saved? What are you going to save them from? What are you going to save them from? What are you offering them? I taught this morning on love. What love really is. Okay? Here's the thing about love. That you... That I am convinced I... I am 50 years plus now. And I have never met a human being who is not wanting love and wanting to give love. Period. Never met one. Never have met one. Okay? Now, they've corrupted it because I love me and I really want to know what you have to offer me. Is that a manifestation of Christ? Because I have... Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Then look at verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Got it? There will be a replacement. I will go away and I will send a... What does he call him? A helper. All right. Why do you think you got to do it? I thought I had a helper. Where did he come from? Let's read on because this is really good. And when he comes, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world will be, has been judged. Past tense. Who did it? Christ did it. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Boy, does he. That's why I'm going to send Paul down to Damascus Road so he can start writing epistles. <laughs> Just so you get it. And if that don't work, I'm going to give John a serious case of heartburn, and he's going to give you a vision that you ain't even going to get a hold of. Okay? But I want to show you something because in verse 13 he tells me who he is. 
I want you to read this. We're going to read this slowly. I'm going to kind of park here for a minute and then I'm going to be done. But when he, okay, now he's the one who's coming to do some convicting. He's going to do some showing of righteousness and judgment um, concerning, you know, he's going to give you faith. If you look at that verse 10 concerning righteousness, because I go to the father, you no longer see me. You know what that is? Faith. How do you get saved? Same way you did in the Old Testament. How's that? Faith. Where did it come from? He. Who's he? It ain't in it. Look what he says. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He is the spirit of truth and he is disclosing to those who are his. Whose? Jesus's. Why does he gift as he wants? Because I want the manifestation of Christ. The supernatural enabling that we call spiritual gifts are given to the saints so that they come together, manifest the body of Jesus Christ so the world will see Christ, not the church. In case you haven't guessed, I'm a little passionate about this. There's nothing more important to me in this world than the church. Why? It's Christ. It's Christ. How does the world see? It's through us. Listen, if you're not here, you're beating in your own drum. You know what? It won't kill you right off the bat. But you know what it will do first? Weaken you. Weaken you. You ever had a bad day, bad week, bad something, something just ruin you? Okay? And I just don't feel like going to church now. Why? It's just been awful. I don't know of any other greater time. The worse my week has been, the more I won't be in church. That's insane. Do you see just a glimpse of the ramifications here? Who's doing the baptizing? Jesus is. What's the element that he baptizes with? The Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit starts doing what? Disclosing to you all that is God's. Whoa, did you think about that for a second? Think about that. What is God's? He's got his work cut out for him, doesn't he? Have you thought about that? Is this a lie? No. Well, if it's, it's, what does it mean? Is it a process? No. There's no such thing as I was baptized into Christ to salvation and I'm waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a non-existent entity. And there are mainline denominations today who believe that. And it's not biblical. It literally is making the do's and the don'ts of the church. I have the has and the have nots. 
You are gifted. I talked to some of these kids up at the seminary and they said, well, you know, I'm training to be in the ministry. Are you serving now? No, I'm being trained. You're fooled. If you're not serving now, you won't in the future. The moment you're saved, you serve. You already have a ministry. It came from the Holy Spirit and he will disclose it to you. I wonder where he does that at. Any ideas off the top of your head where he might be saying, I would like for you to do this? Here's one of the things that we've done today. We've separated the word and prayer in the church. And when you do that, all you did is separate Christ from his word, Christ from prayer, and Christ from his body. You accomplish what the cults can't. Because that's what the cults do. You can't say, I have a love for the word of God and not the church. It's impossible. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. How do I separate them? He just said in chapter 12, verse 12, that the body is one as is Christ. Now listen, is there mystical to that? Yeah, man, there's parts of this. I just sit there and go, huh. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how it works. I can tell you that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to the end of the chapter, that you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, and God. How can you exalt yourself? How could I ever take front seat of anything? Back to my original question. How does the church look? Connected or disconnected? Who's beating? Who's leading? Okay, listen. If you're not connected, you're going to wear out. And you know what happens after that? You die. You die. That's it. You die. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? No. What point are you? You ever thought about that? I'm talking about the unity and the diversity of the body of Christ, the church. If you're beating to your own line, okay, What effectiveness do you have in the body? You don't have any effectiveness in the body. You know why you don't have any effectiveness in the body? Because you're just wearing everybody else out. If you're not ministering your gifts, you know that somebody else has to? Did you know that? Somebody's got to fill up. The body is, well, we're just going to hang out here and going to have a liver, a lung, and a heart. Okay? We don't have to worry about hearing or smelling or seeing or walking or shaking or anything like that because, but by golly, we're existing. And everybody looks at it and goes, golly, that's nasty looking. Wouldn't it? Do you see what I'm trying to get at here? Jesus was prophesied by John the Baptist 
that he's coming and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and fire. I mean, Jesus is ambidextrous. Okay? Some I will immerse into the spirit of the living God. Me. And others shake and bake. Okay? I look at the church today and it kind of is a little unnerving to me because it seems disconnected. Seems disconnected. That's just what I'm I'm viewing. It just seems disconnected. Why? Um probably the corruption of love. It's probably the single greatest thing. Um, most people look for a church today. Do they have a singles ministry? Do they have a wanas? Do they have something for my kids? Do they have something for young married people? Do they have something for old married people? Do they have whatever? Okay. What are you, what are you trying to reach in that? Self. I mean, I can just look at this group here today and say, you know what? Everything that each one of you personally feel like you need is no way I can give you. Okay? I cannot gear a message that Al needs to hear this and Allie needs to hear this and Josh needs to hear this and Tara needs. I can't do it. But I do know this. I give you theology, you're going to open your eyes and you will be disclosed to the things that God has. And when you are disclosed to the things that God has, the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you. You find out it is absolutely impossible to exalt yourself. And all you want to do is die on the throne of the body of Christ so that he will be magnified. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to who? Jesus Christ. And you know what? That ain't hard to see. Because it is so seldom seen that when you do see it, you just go, whoa. Whoa. I'm going to take you back to the text again. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Think about it. What's the body? So also is Christ. So also is Christ. So the identity is one spirit. Now, if you really, if God promised Jesus the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the God the Father. God said, here's the promise. And he poured out his spirit. Acts chapter 2. On all who would believe. And the Holy Spirit, we've looked at it in the first 11 verses of chapter 12, gives as he wants because there's one Lord, and he gives as he wants because there is one God, and he gives as he wants because there's one Spirit. I'm thinking the unity is a theme there. What do you think? Who, where did it come from? God promised it, Jesus fulfilled it, and the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the promise. Ask yourself a question. Is that what you see? Look around. Look around. Is that what you see? 
hard question. It's a hard question. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the amazing things you've already done. Lord, I pray that we don't take each other for granted. Father, we understand the urgency of the day. Father, the, the, the amazing struggle that each of us has. Father, it isn't. It isn't with anything but our own flesh. Father, may we be crucified with Christ. And Father, may we understand that in that crucifixion, only one has been raised from the dead. And that is he who is manifest in the bride of Christ, your church. Lord, I, I don't understand that. Father, beginning with me, may I have a crucified life. And Father, may I not raise it. May I not raise it. May your spirit overwhelm each of us. May we understand the energy and the power. and the, the. May you disclose to us all that is God's. Hmm. Father, thank you. Thank you so much. To the glory of our Savior. Amen.